The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Financial fair exchange, more value, more money. What is something worth? How do you price your product, your service? How do you increase the prices? How do you make a fair and sustainable profit margin? We are going to answer those on the podcast. So let me ask you this question. This here, if you're watching the live video, is a piece of art I did in 2004. I think. So you can see it's, it's aged because a couple of stamps have fallen off. You can see, can you see that one different colored one? Oh, look, it matches my top. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. What is that piece of art worth to you? Or what's it worth full stop? There's another one in the series. What is a piece? What's a one meter by one meter canvas? with, I don't know, thousands of stamps. By the way, I, I, I licked every single one of those stamps. Every single one. Does that make it worth more? <laughs> These took me months. Now, Rob Moore is not an artist anymore. What if Damien Hurst did those? What's it now worth? I'll, I'll take you upstairs. Do you like my progressive carpet? <laughs> right. So I'm going to answer these questions in a moment, but I want you to think about them first. What is something worth? What's a piece of art worth? What's a watch worth? What's a car worth? What's your product worth? What's your service worth? How do you value it? So this was a series I did when I was in my darker days of art, listening to Rammstein to cheer me up and Radiohead to... So there's a, this is a, a diptych, as they're called, um, two, two pieces. Let me put myself in the middle there. What are they worth? So I believe the best way to create a sustainable, oh, by the way, that's, um, that was, I don't know how much that was. It was a few thousand. That's an original pure evil, that one. So pure, if you think about it, um, Charlie, um, pure evil, his real name's Charlie, he got a stencil he went, shh, and I paid a few grand for that. Then he printed it and probably did, what, 250 or 500 of those and sold them for, you know, 750, something like that. Now, and when I was an artist back in 2005, I, I, I wasn't charging more than 750 for that, and that's an original. So something to think about. This is one of my favorite little pieces. I need to get in touch with my inner puppy. We all need to do that a bit more. So I believe if you want to increase your fees, create a great product and service, you want a, a fair but um, healthy profit margin, you want it to be sustainable, i.e. if there's a recession or a, a virus um, or a disruption to your market, you don't get dramatically affected. You want happy, grateful clients. 
You want to be able to sustainably increase your prices and profits in line with inflation and increased costs and hiring more staff, etc. My guess is you want to do all those things. And a lot of people struggle with that. They also struggle with what to price um, and when to price it and how to price it and how to charge and how to charge a decent amount of money without feeling like a fraud, etc. So are you sitting comfortably? Because I am now, having wandered around the house. Uh, uh, let's discuss this. So the concept of fair exchange is where there is a sweet spot between your fair and sustainable profit margin and the utility and value and benefit and gratitude to the client. So the producer produces a piece of work or a product or a service, and they're able to make 10, 20, 30% plus net profit margin, depending on scale, volume, and type of product or service. And that's sustainable, i.e. sometimes you can make a good profit at the start, but it just soon erodes to nothing as you grow. So that's got to happen. Some people think, oh, corporations, companies, people, they're greedy. They make so much profit. If they don't make enough profit, they have to wind down their product or service. They can't deliver their product or service. They may end up letting the clients down and, and, and upsetting the clients. So as a client, as a consumer, you need the provider of your products and services to be able to make a fair and sustainable profit. But there needs to be a balance where you get value, service, gratitude, utility, you feel happy that the product and the service, work, service works and sustains and fulfills your needs. Now, fair exchange is the sweet spot in the middle. But that's not just a concept on its own because you have to, have to have pricing and competition and innovation into that process. So what competition does, as much as people don't like competition, let's, be all, let's all be honest, we, why don't we just wish they would all bugger off, leave us alone, go do something else um, so that we can have all the business. Um, but in reality, what competition do is they keep you innovating, improving, disrupting, fixing, solving and serving. Otherwise, you're going to lose business and margin to them. So the free market, which is hopefully um, the right balance of regulation, too much regulation, can't make any profit, can't say or do anything. Not enough regulation. It's the Wild West. So you've got competition innovation, regulation, and then you've got fair exchange, which are all factors in a marketplace. And if you find the sweet spot in all of these, you have a product and service that makes really good money and that people refer others to you and you feel good and grateful. You feel grateful to your clients, not resentful. Now, let's take either extreme of fair exchange and then I'll add pricing to the mix. So on the one hand extreme over here, you are... Um, your clients have too much value, too much control, too much of a say. Um, they take too much time, too much resource, i.e. you give away too much in favour of the client. Uh, and then what happens is you can't make fair, sustainable profit margin because the client becomes greedy. The client becomes demanding. The client expects too much. You can't fulfil or serve them or make a margin. And then you end up, uh, your costs going over your profit, um, and then you can end up going bust if that grows and scales. That's unfair exchange on the side of the client. Unfair exchange on the side of you is you charge too much or you don't offer enough value relative to your price. 
Therefore, the clients aren't grateful. They don't feel that they've got value. They complain. They, they put legal cases and refunds against you. They, they, they um, post stuff on social media. Your overhead goes up because your um, customer service and the deliverables go up and the work and cost to your client goes up. And then you can end up going bust the same way or just at least your, mar your margin thinning. Now, sometimes business can be a bit of an illusion because you start, you create something, you sell it. It looks like it goes well. You haven't had years of delivery and experience and understanding your um, fair profit margin and fair exchange. So sometimes if you're selling something at volume, but there's unfair exchange, you're just kicking the can down the road and causing the problems down the road, i.e. the refund request, the lack of gratitude for the client, the complaints and the extra costs, or an unsustainable product and service where there is no margin. And in the end, um, you've just set up uh, a massive overhead. So um, something to think about. You've got to add your pricing into the mix. And I'll talk about that in a minute, because a lot of people worry about not giving good enough value. A lot of people worry when they're the consumer about not getting good enough value. But value has to have price in the mix. You cannot have a perception of value without a price. Why is it that um, you could buy a Lamborghini Aventador for 300 grand and someone would be really grateful for that? Or you could buy, I don't know, an old Ford Escort for 200 quid and, you know, it could go wrong and you could be really unhappy with that. So fair exchange and the perception of value is intrinsically linked to pricing. I'm going to come to that in a minute. Um, so Phil Hurley has just said he's reading my book Money and loving it and getting so much out of it. Thank you, Phil. So I've been trialing something under fair exchange, which is if you're watching the live, not on the podcast, but if you're watching the live, Facebook have given me the stars feature. The stars feature, only 20 people have that in the world. Uh, and what that is, is a feature where you can purchase stars. The more you purchase, the less they cost per star. And then you can give them, exchange them to me on my live videos on the Facebook platform. And they're designed that you might support an artist, a creator, an innovator and an entrepreneur. Um, they're kind of a bit like a, a currency exchange, but also a certain amount of supporting and fan funding. Um, but I decided that I would try and create fair exchange environment rather than you just give me stars. Now, some people give me stars because they feel it's fair, because they feel that the work I've done over the years, the what thousands of podcast episodes when you add uh, mine, money and disruptive entrepreneur money and the progressive property podcast, you know, we're up at about thousand odd podcasts. Uh, the two videos I've done every day, the books, etc. So Jason has said here, I've read all your, your books, Rob. Great lives, really useful. So if people feel grateful, they give me stars um, and, and people often do that. But I decided to create a marketplace, a more... Um, entrepreneurial fair exchange environment. So if you give me 500 stars, which is just $5 to me now on this live, I will give you a shout out for your business, your brand, your book, your podcast, your website or whatever. Adam Sargison did this a few days ago, he got four leads um, and his business um, is sort of online um, consultancy and internet marketing and like a digital agency. And his clients are worth thousands of pounds, all for $5 by being able to put um, his link on my page. So my page now has 142,100 followers. Danny's just hit me up with 500 stars. So Danny's now able to post his link, his brand, his podcast, his website, um, his Facebook group, whatever he chooses. I'm just doing this as a trial, trying to create a fair exchange environment, trying to educate people about the stars feature because most people don't even know what it is or haven't got stars or don't know how to buy stars. Hit me up with a yes in the comments if you know what stars are and how to buy them. Hit me up with a no in the comments if you don't know what stars are and how to buy them. Um, but, but if you want to give that a go, then give that a go. So I thought I'd give that as a, an example of a fair exchange environment. If you, let's say you all know what stars are and you know how to give them. 
and you feel like, well, that's uh, expensive, then you're not going to feel it's fair exchange. If you feel that it's cheap or it's a bargain, you're probably going to do it. Or if you feel like it's uh, relatively good value or worth a test. So fair exchange, back to the concept of the sweet spot in the middle between profit margin, fair, sustainable, but not overly greedy, and value and gratitude, uh, and maybe referrals from your clients. That's a fair exchange environment where you get the sweet spot in the middle. But that is linked to price. Because if, if Casio charged £85,000 for a watch, no way. If Patek Philippe charged £10 for a watch, no way. So entrepreneurs, um, people who are creating products and services for the first time or a new product or service, you want to think about, okay, what's my experience? What's my self-worth? What are the value? What's the value in the market? What are my competitors charging? What's my overhead? And you want to think about all those factors. And then you want to start with an initial pre-launch or early launch or version one price. So this is a Zoom H1. And um, I think there's something like 80 quid. Then they made the Zoom H1N, which is an improved version, which will be more. I have a, a, a phono, sorry, a, um, I have a Hi-Fi preamp. It's called the Audio Research Reference 6. So it's the control amplifier. It's, I think, 13 or 14,000 pounds. And they've just brought out the Audio 6, Audio Research Reference 6 SE model. And that's a $3,000 upgrade. So they, you can bring out a, a model and then you can bring out an SE and then you can bring out a version 2. Um, Apple are always updating the software. The new iPhone, what is it, the, the 12? I don't know. Um, but the reality is, if you start with a version one product and you create maybe a lower price, um, not too low, but a lower, if the product isn't yet perfect or if it's um, version one or, you know, it's kind of a pre-launch version, then you can create a fair exchange environment where maybe they're not getting the completed perfect product. Although people in IT and software will tell you there's never a completed and never a perfect product. Windows are a great example of that. Microsoft, they've just been updating new Windows, Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows, Windows, Windows. Uh, there must be 30, I don't know, 40 different versions of Windows. Now, they charged for each one of those versions, but each version got better and better and better and better. Now, if there was unfair exchange, at times when um, people were pissed off with Windows, oh, all you do with Windows is use your software um, as a test on us. And it's glitchy and quirky and never really works. And we just seem to be crash test dummies. So if too many clients think that, then there's going to be a pushback on Microsoft. There's going to be people moving from Windows to other, um, so other software providers or even other hardware providers as well. They might move over to Mac from, um, you know, from Microsoft. Whereas if they uh, fix and improve and create a, a great version, there's good value then, of course, people will continue to use and refer their software. So a lot of startup entrepreneurs, what they struggle with, the people who want to make money, people who want to set up a business, set up a new product or service, they struggle with, I haven't got enough experience. The competitors in my market are way more experienced or better than me. Oh, my market, you can only charge a few quid for my products and services, etc. And they struggle with all that in pricing. So I, when I launch, uh, say, for example, a new course. Now, normally, of course, I'll end up charging between two and three thousand pounds net uh, for a two or a three day course. 
that's usually where it will end up. Uh, I know I can get it there and some courses I can get a bit uh, higher and some courses maybe the, the sweet spot fair exchange is about 1500 quid. Maybe if it's a shorter course or if it's, um, I don't know, a course where it doesn't seem to be directly money uh, revenue generating. And often when I, I launch a new course, I don't actually know where that exact price point, the sweet spot elasticity is going to be. Is it going to be 1500? Is it going to be two grand? Is it going to be three grand? Now, for me, the sweet spot is the sweet spot between volume and margin. So I might be able to charge three grand, but the, mar- the volume might reduce so much that I haven't got the scale. Or I might, be, I might be able to charge 1,500 quid and I've got a dramatically increased volume, but I haven't got really any margin. And all I'm doing is accelerating and exaggerating a low margin. And so you have to have huge volume. The worst thing that c- can happen is you get massive scale when you've got no margin. Sometimes that happens to companies. No margin and then they get massive scale and massive demand and actually they're just accelerating a zero or negative margin. So um, for every single course I've run, whether it's a podcast course, a social media course, a speaking course, a business course, a personal development course, a supporter program, a Patreon program, a property investing course, a deal packaging course. I could go on and on about these, an e-commerce course, a a cryptocurrency course, done all of these trainings. Um, the, the, the lowest price one of a course is £400 for an online course. And the highest price one, if I look at a mastermind program with a mentoring element, uh, is uh, 50 grand. And that, that would be for a high level kind of seven figure millionaire mastermind, something like that. You know, and you have an intuition when you've been doing this a long while, what a, a sweet spot price will be. But actually, you don't know because the market is what gives you the feedback. The market tells you through demand through, you know, actually paying for your product and service, what a product and service is worth. And, and often um, your idea of that is, is quite different from the market's idea of that, even if you've got experience in that marketplace. So I'll launch something. I'll do like a version one. So when I launched my podcast course, um, I gave a two day course plus a podcast mastermind plus a bonus social media course. I gave it away for, well, I say I gave it away, I sold it for £1,000 plus that. Um, and then I did version two launching, it was £1,250 plus that. And then I did version three launching, it was 1500 plus that. And I sensed then, you know what, um, the elasticity is starting to reduce. I thought if I go to £2,000 plus, plus that, um, th- that might reduce the volume. So I settled on that course, uh, I think about 1750 plus that, you know, the discounted price, which um, is actually um, not the highest of them all, but it seemed to be the fair exchange. Uh, and then, of course, people ended up using our agency a lot. Um, and so it ended up being, you know, th- that, that ended up being the sweet spot price. Interestingly, with mentoring and masterminding, when Mark and I started mentoring people, it was £2,000 plus that for the year. Um, and that was in 2008. And now it's £50,000 plus that for the year. Uh, and of course, we've got a lot more experience. So that means we can up the price. We've attracted a lot higher client profile. So that ups the price. Um, you know, our, our knowledge of coaching and mentoring ups the price. And now £50,000, some people go, whoa, that's a lot of money. That's because they're looking at their own value perception through their own eyes. Whereas I have clients who are on mainstream TV, massive celebrities. I have clients who are, are multimillionaires. And to them, £50,000 is a small investment in themselves. Um, I don't know if you saw recently, Conor McGregor came out in public to say that um, he was hanging around a very famous um, basketball player. Um, it might have been LeBron or Kobe, actually. And he said, I was gobsmacked at how much money this basketball player spent on themselves. So Connor's used to buying watches and cars and things. 
but like you know, his, his health, his fitness, his well-being, his personal development. And he was like, this basketball player is spending tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds a month on their investing in themselves. And he was like, man, that was a light switch, um, a light bulb moment for me. I've started to invest way more in myself. So someone like Conor McGregor would probably invest millions of pounds in himself. These famous basketball players would invest millions of pounds in themselves. So remember, fair exchange is all about price, value, delivery, the um, forces of our market, such as competition, regulation, innovation. If you continually innovate, you can continually up your prices. I don't know what the iPhone used to be in... What? Uh, when did it come out? Probably 2007. Was it six, seven? I remember. I remember. Yeah, the, the first one. Um, what was it? Probably a, a couple of hundred quid. And what are they now? Twelve hundred, fifteen hundred quid. So they've they've continually improved what you can do through your iPhone and continue to innovate. Maybe not as much as when Steve Jobs was alive, but they've still done a, a good job, a better job than I thought they'd do. Bearing in mind, Steve Jobs was the real innovator. Um, so. You know, if you want to continue to increase your prices, innovate, add extra value, add more on, maybe add more on that is a high perceived value to your client, but low actual cost to you. Um, make sure that what you do is better than your competition, different to your competition. You have an element of uniqueness. You continually you start at a point where you're not so low because you're, you don't value yourself, but you're not so high that there's a barrier to people joining your product or I'm joining your service or buying your product. So you, you maybe start at a price which creates volume and goodwill and gets case studies and referrals and the use of your product and service out in the market. And you keep going up and up and up and up and up until you hit a ceiling where the elasticity starts to overstretch, whereby you dramatically reduce your volume or customers start to complain. Um, you know, people, people would go to Bista Village or they would go in the Black Friday sale and they would buy something between 30 and 70% off and they'd accept the fact that it was non-perfect. But if they bought, you know, some designer clothes from Bond Street in London and they paid a lot of money for it, they would demand and expect that to be perfect. I remember I had a Patek Philippe. I'm doing this because the, the strap I'll talk about in a minute, not because I've got a twitch. I had um, a Patek Philippe Nautilus chronograph um, and I, that was a 35,000 pound watch when I bought it. I paid 25 grand for it. Um, annoyingly, it's now worth 90 grand. I made 10 on it, but I sold it. It's now worth 90 grand. So there's a, there's a good um, indication of perception versus value versus fair exchange versus demand versus supply. But my point is, when I, if I do that with my hand, the strap would come undone. And it really annoyed me. It was a 35 grand Patek Philippe. Patek Philippe is supposed to be the best watchmakers in the world. And the strap used to come loose. So I sold it and made 10 on it. And now they're worth 90 grand. But, um, you know, so if something becomes in demand, if something becomes vintage, if an artist becomes famous, if you get well known, if you become an influencer, if a celebrity endorses your product and service, that increases the fair exchange. Because in fair exchange is perception, not reality. So fair exchange is always a perception. And people like my art upstairs, um, I was charging £500 for a meter by meter canvas in, um, what, 2005. And there were artists that would charge £100,000 for that or a million pounds for that. Now, when your market is disrupted, when there is a coronavirus or there is, um, a, you know, a, a crash or a recession or um, some of your competitors maybe put your industry into disrepute or there's a scandal um, or you have disruptions into your own products or services, things break, clients, um, you, you know, maybe get a, a poor service or there's a class action lawsuit or whatever. When all these things happen, 
The way that you move on from it, scale through it, grow through it, sustain, survive and thrive is to go back to looking at what's the fair exchange environment. How can I maximize profit and value? Give value first, knock on of profit later. Too many people are looking at profit first and not value first. How can I serve? How can I solve? How can I create? How can I disrupt? How can I innovate? How can I continue to improve? How can I get feedback from my users who actually know themselves what they want and need from my product and service and providers like me? How can I give them what they want? What can I add on that means kind of I can increase the fees more and more and more at the same time getting gratitude and value and referrals from my clients? So there's a few thoughts and concepts for you on Fair Exchange. I love you all. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.